0: Well, it's good to worship with you guys once again. Some of you last week asked for a copy of our nine family commandments, and so we've inserted that in the bulletin for you. You can also find a fancier version on social media if you like a more colorful kind. But we hope that that would be something you could post on a wall or share with your children or grandchildren and uh, be a blessing to them. As we continue to look at how God as our Heavenly Father can shape our parenting uh this week i invite you to pray for me and with me because uh it's kind of a big topic not just from the parenting perspective but we'll also kind of be looking at how the bible works old and new testament together and sometimes that gets kind of messy and so i'm going to deal with some of that mess today and i hope it'll be helpful to you as maybe you've wrestled with some of the challenging things in the bible Uh, and so as we begin we find ourselves in deuteronomy this is moses's last sermon to the people of israel they're about to go into the promised land they're about to try to take over and uh, begin their life as a new nation in its infancy and so uh, moses is trying to speak god's word to them to help them in that journey to know what they need to do and how they need to do it and uh, some of you will say well After I read it, you'll say, How does this fit with parenting? I promise I'll connect the two. So here we go. Chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations that are larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you've defeated them, You must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. And this is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, burn their idols in the fire for you are a holy people to the lord your god the lord your god has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people his treasured possession now the lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other people for you are the fewest of all peoples but it was because the lord loved you he kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out of them with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But to those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He'll not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him, Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws that I give you today. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, help me lift you up. Help us wrestle with hard things. And in the midst of that, help us also find ways to see how your grace is working in us as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents to raise up a new generation. That might follow you faithfully i pray in jesus name amen now brothers and sisters parenting isn't for wimps is it i mean can you just remember back the first child that you had that was born holding that little baby in your arms thinking man this this thing's only five six seven pounds what if i break him what if i break her you know my my parents actually Sort of tried to do that. They took me home, and I think my first night was in a, in a little drawer of a, you know, a drawer like a dresser drawer. That was my bed for the first couple of days. And then they put me on the bed one time, and I rolled right off and hit the floor. And they were probably thinking, "Man, Chris is never going to make it to adulthood. (laughs) It's not easy changing all those poopy diapers and the peepee diapers, and not just." making sure they're well fed but then you got to burp them too and make sure that the you know they don't like explode or something because they're not burped and i mean just all sorts of things that could go wrong and then they get a little older and they start going from crawling to running and then you just can't keep up with them and from there they hit their teenage years and before you know it it's time to let them launch out into the world and so today as we look at sort of the, the challenge in the process of parenting I'm going to do it in kind of a different way as we look at some scripture today which in this scripture it really raises some key challenges as well and so we're kind of at the end of this sermon hopefully you'll on the one hand learn how to maybe uh, see parenting a little differently but on the other hand what I hope you'll also see is how the Old Testament and New Testament work together and how we do our best to interpret that in a healthy way for the 21st century and so we're actually i'm hitting two things at once so here we go the first thing before we get to the parenting piece is the challenge of texts like deuteronomy chapter 7 and they are a challenge because you know in modern terms you'll find people that are skeptical that will read passages like this and say now you're telling me God wants Israel basically to commit genocide against all these other people why would a good and loving God ask that or do that and it's a good question it really is it's one that we really have to wrestle with and I could probably spend a 30-minute sermon just on that question but I don't really want to do that so I want to give you some points to think about if you've ever wrestled with those kind of things in situations like this because yes in modern terms this is not something that I would advocate for I don't think it's something that God or Jesus would advocate for but why did God ask Israel to do this then 3,000 plus years ago here's a couple of things that I think we have to be honest and think about in wrestling with this text The first is this. Israel as a people grew up in a time in history when the world was dog eat dog. That's reality. And either you were the top dog that was able to kind of put the the communities and nations and peoples around you in some sort of subjection so that you would kind of be in charge of them or if you were the dog on the bottom of the Totem pole, so to speak, then they would oppress you. They were in charge of you, and you didn't have the freedom to be who you are as a culture and community and to do your own thing. And that was reality 3,000 years ago. And we can't relate to that today very much because we live quite peaceful lives. But we have to at least acknowledge that that was reality. And it's a reality that I believe the Lord knew uh, in order to help Israel survive, He had to help them find a way. To not be always on the bottom rung he, they had to learn how to how to kind of have be the top dog at least once in a while maybe not always so that's the first principle i think the second principle with this is we have to ask why right why would god ask israel to go into the new promised land and begin taking everybody else completely out What was God trying to accomplish? And to do that, I have to set before you again, the nature of the world back then was very different from the nature of our world today, wasn't it? For instance, back then, every community on the planet uh, believed in many gods. You had Marduk, you had Baal, you had Asherah, you had athena and zeus and odin you had uh, ra and amun and isis you had all these gods they were capricious gods they were gods you'd try to keep happy because if you kept them happy you'd live a happy and joyful life but you didn't know which one to keep happy you didn't know how to keep them happy because their lives were the ancient soap operas when One of my Old Testament professors said is soap operas have been around a long time. In the old days, it was the gods and kind of what they were into and what they were against and what they were up against and, and all that kind of stuff. And so to navigate life in this polytheistic world was just a big challenge. And then the Lord comes along and says, listen, I've had enough of this. We've got to take the world on a different course. I can't do it with the whole world. I can do it with a small group of people. And if I can convince them that I am the one and only, that I'm the only one that created the universe, and that if they will trust me and believe in me, I'll protect them, bless them, and help them know the truth, and the truth will set them free, well, then we can make headway in this crazy mixed up world and so what I want you to see this morning is the purpose of God in this text is what is to provide Israel a safe environment in which to grow to be who God wanted them to be and also who God needed the people of Israel to be in order to change the world now I want you to get this If Israel is two gallons of fresh water, what happens to two gallons of fresh water if you dump it into the ocean? Does it stay fresh? No. And so you've got to protect it safely. You've got to keep the fresh water separated from the salt water so that the fresh water can be fresh and the salt water can be salty. And so that's what the Lord is after. He is trying to give Israel a safe environment in which to grow because God is trying to accomplish something that had never been done in human history that we know of up until this point. Up until this point, the DNA of basically every tribe, nation, and tongue in the world by and large was polytheism, was many gods, crazy gods, try to keep them happy. And here God's trying to do something new. He's trying to do something different, but he has to shape this infant baby of a nation into some uh, mature spiritual uh, nation that one day can understand that God's way is different than everybody else's way. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, does that make sense for us as families? One of the first roles of the parent is to provide their children a what? A safe environment in which to grow, to be the people they're supposed to be. It's the same deal, isn't it? And so as parents, we try to do that in several ways. We try to make our house a safe environment. We child-proof our house, right? We try to help our child navigate modern media and to to use it in a way that's safe and not destructive and we also try to help them find friends and families that will also help them in their journey in a positive direction same principle uh, i think uh, when our kids were little we i was pastoring Nakuchi united methodist church up in the uh, uh, helen mountains and uh, right near mount yona and up there in helen we our house was on the side of a mountain and we had two decks we had kind of a basement deck and then a upper deck and the upper deck if one of our little two three-year-old kids five-year-old kids went off that deck they'd be headed down about 20 25 30 feet and they would have gone splat right so in order we just bought the house one of the first things we did is in that upper deck we wanted to have them a safe place where they could play on the deck and not go splat and so, so we got uh we got andrea's dad paw to come up and he's he could do anything well he still can do anything pretty darn well and so he screened in part of our upper deck and that screen just helped us know hey kids aren't going to be able to run through and go splat Uh, because it was important for us to make our house safe for our children whether it's putting those little plugs in so they don't get zapped whether it's coming up with little rules like don't touch the stove or you'll get burned right all these little rules all the things we do to make our house childproof and then with social media it's just as important today and as parents we found the ratings that are on um you know that are in the movies i think those are quite helpful you know, uh, and we've tried to follow as best we can. When our kids were little, it was only G-movies. we tried to take Lindsay, our oldest, one time to her first PG movie. It was Lilo and Stitch, right? Should be a fun movie. She saw it on the big screen. She heard the noise. She was freaked out and scared to death. We said, oh, we, we hit this too soon. We probably need to wait a year or two. She didn't even make it through the movie. We had to go home because pg lilo and stitch was a little too out there and so we've used that as guides in our lives for instance um you know my oldest son loves the super superhero movies and at uh, you know fifth grade he'd come home about 10 years old he'd say you know what my friends are watching iron man and they're watching thor and they're watching hulk and all these movies when do i get to have fun with all that stuff and I said, "Well, let's wait until you at least get about twelve, and then maybe when you get about twelve, that's about that PG thirteen range. I'll be ready for you to begin sort of seeing movies that are a bit more violent and more, you know, action packed and have more other stuff in it too." It, and so for us, that's kind of worked. You know, I still wrestle with today uh, what we do or don't do, and if you need help, uh, you know, family focus on the family, plugged in online was always a great help there. There's a new little app you can get on Roku called Video Angel. You do have to pay five, ten bucks a month for it, but Video Angel will let you watch movies and you can say, I don't want these parts of the movies, I don't want the violence, or I don't want the nudity, or I don't want the language, and they will just, they'll cut out those little clips of the movies. There's all sorts of ways today, with our modern technology, Uh, you know, whether it's keeping up also with phones and iPads, right? and making sure our kids aren't getting into stuff on the internet that uh, would poison their hearts and minds in ways. And so that, you know, being aware of all that stuff is a big job. But it's part of being a good parent. And then also the friends we hang out with. I remember growing up as a kid, my parents didn't have uh, a cable. But when I'd go to my friend's house, they had cable and we would love watching their cable and so at 11 o'clock at night you know we'd find the probably the the most action-packed r-rated movie we could and try to watch that right and so we do have we have to kind of be careful with that i remember you know when i was 10 or 12 years old i got i went to an uncle's house and saw poltergeist i think and then in my grandparents house uh, i saw the shining with jack nicholson And boy, I don't think i probably slept for a month after those two. And after that, i never, never liked scary movies ever since, and I still don't. Uh, You know, and I think we can do uh, just thinking through those things. How do we build a safe environment so our kids can be who they're supposed to be so they can thrive, flourish, and grow? And I think that's what's going on in this text. Now, another point of this text that I want to point out is... In all actuality, Israel didn't really do, for the most part, what God asked them to do. We both know, if you read the rest of the Old Testament, and also if you look at archaeology, it's pretty clear that, that Israel tended not to wipe everybody out. They probably did some, in some cases, but not as much as they were probably supposed to. And because of that, the process of taking Israel from a polytheistic kind of place to a monotheistic kind of place it took several hundred years of constant reminders of you shall have me as your god and i am the only one you shall have no other you won't have any idols you won't do this You won't. the prophets would have to say it the you know the commandments would say it they and we're talking like 1300 bc to about 600 bc just Israel couldn't get it the influence of everybody else all around them was continually messing them up we're in a polytheistic world there are lots of gods blah 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 and finally it took 700 years at least to get Israel to a place where they begin to know who they were and whose they were and to get them to a place where finally they're kicked out of Israel, they're sent to Babylon to stay there for 70 or 100 years, and there in Babylon they finally have a strong enough cultural and religious and faith identity that that they become the Jewish people that we think of today. It took that long. And God knew in these verses, if he could do whatever he could in the moment to give them a safe boundary, that would help them become who he needed them to be so that when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus can do a new thing. And Jesus does a new thing. Because let me ask you this question. How many of you have the same rules for your two-year-old that you did for your 15-year-old? or you did for your 18 year olds do the boundaries change do the rules change does the emphasis change I think so and we see it here as well that when God gives the people of Israel a solid foundation then Jesus comes and helps get things even more crystal clear and he does something a little different so let's talk about that what what the second thing I want you to notice is this um I once had a seminary professor, Ben Witherington III, one of the great New Testament scholars in all the world. Uh, in class with him one time, he said this. He said, You know, uh, some people, they don't put the right emphasis on the right syllable. They don't put the right emphasis on the correct syllable. And. When Jesus came and you had the Pharisees and all them, the, Jesus's main critique of the Pharisees and Sadducees and other religious leaders is they're not putting the right emphasis on the right syllable. That's exactly what it was, and so Jesus comes on the scene and does some new things. And so I want you to kind of understand this: if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you look at the Old Testament rules, if you look at the Old Testament ritual it 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 was designed to shape a culture who worshiped god and god alone that's that's what all the rules were they were very concrete it's you can do this you can't do that very black and white you can do this you can't do that right to give you an example of this and here comes the second question that we find uh, what i would say skeptics in our modern world will challenge us with this issue from the old testament Well, you say that we're supposed to keep the the teaching of the Old Testament, but you don't keep the teaching of the Old Testament. There are laws in the Old Testament that Christians totally ignore. Why is that? Because if you're going to keep the Bible, don't you have to keep the whole Bible? Well, in answer to that question, it depends on Jesus. And here's an example. In the Old Testament, one of the things that they do is uh, they talk about life from the perspective of living a clean life versus an unclean life. A clean life versus an unclean, and if you and the goal of the Israelite was to live a clean life as much as possible. It wasn't possible to live a clean life 100 percent of the time, but but they were supposed to try to live a clean life as much as they could and avoid an unclean life. And in order to live a clean life, they had some very concrete things that they were supposed to do, like not eat bacon, and not eat pork, and not eat shrimp, and not eat camel those were off the list those things from a jewish perspective told them when you do these things you're moving toward an unclean place and you're leaving the clean place and other things when you have mold in your home it's an unclean place you know uh, when a woman has her cramps she's in an unclean place all these sorts of things with men and women and all the, all these little rules all these little rituals but they were to teach a spiritual principle that as a people we are seeking to live clean lives spiritually and avoid uncleanness spiritually but it was a very concrete deal and so when we get to the time of jesus Jesus has this solid foundation now that the Old Testament has set. And so Jesus comes on the scene with his disciples and with the Pharisees, and he begins to tweak the rules. And he takes them from a concrete place and instead gives us a a paradigm and principles that will provide for our future more for teenagers rather than two-year-olds. Jesus comes and talks to teenagers rather than two-year-olds. And so Jesus begins to say things. You've heard the Old Testament say, don't do this. But I tell you, it's not just about doing or not doing this. It's about your heart. When your heart is filled with anger, it's in an unclean place. When your heart is filled with hatred, it's in an unclean place. When your heart uh, is filled with lust, it's in an unclean place. And so now with the clean and unclean, you've got to not just worry about unclean behaviors. I want you to learn it's about an unclean heart and dealing with an unclean heart and trying to let the Lord in his grace and his power and his spirit give you a clean heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so he gives us the beatitudes and he gives us all these other things, things that were in the Old Testament, but the emphasis was not on them. And so instead, now he's talking to teenagers, he can say the concrete stuff, yeah, not quite as important. He says this, you're going to run into some folks that aren't Jewish and they're going to eat bacon and they're going to eat pulled pork and they're going to eat shrimp. But I love them too. And so that's okay. It's not that big a deal because it doesn't have to do with an unclean heart that just has to do with what kind of food you like to eat or choose to eat it's not as big a deal and he says about the sabbath he says you know about the sabbath it's yes it's about rest but it's not just about rest you know you can do some good on the sabbath if your neighbor really needs help help him if someone's really sick go be a doctor and heal them that's perfectly appropriate on the sabbath and then also rest as much as you can. And so he gives these little nuances because we're no longer two year olds, but we're teenagers. And what's our hope? Is our hope to protect our kids until they're 90 and die? No. My hope, anyway, is that by the time they graduate when they're 18, they'll have the tools. The skills the wisdom the spirit the faith necessary that as they launch out into the world they can be a light for God's kingdom in dark places and instead of playing defensive by protecting them like the Old Testament scripture says what do we find Jesus doing Jesus unleashes his disciples and says go have at it change the world right he begins to show it in his own life because who does he hang out with does he hang out with the righteous people no he hangs out with the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors the known people that were on the wrong side you know they were the unclean people jesus hangs out with them because he believes they can change with the help of his love and grace and so by the time jesus dies and his resurrection occurs he tells his disciples. You know what I've been doing, now it's your turn. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, shaping them, discipling them, helping them be kingdom children of God. And so the emphasis shifts for the disciples. He tells the disciples listen, I'm going to send you to places where you're going to be critiqued, you're going to be persecuted you're going to be thrown in jail and some of you are going to be killed for my sake i'm no longer here to protect you guys i'm here to send you out to change the world for god's glory and to tell people i love them all over this planet both the people who don't eat bacon and those who do that's your job and so with this task um we see our role as parents. It's the same kind of journey, right? That as the rules change, uh, our boundaries change. For instance, uh, you know we're no longer telling our 15-year-old son, "Don't touch the stove or you'll get burnt," right? Now what are we telling him? We went to a soccer game. Mallory had a soccer game uh, over in McDonough and he didn't want to go because it was too cold and wet and so we're like okay you don't have to go he's like but why don't you bake some cookies he loves to bake cookies so he said you really want me to bake cookies with no one else here he's like yeah I think you know enough not to know how to burn down the house now that you're 15 go ahead and bake some cookies so he baked some cookies right and so that's what the Lord is trying to do with us and here is where on this again the spiritual side where this makes such an impact I remember preaching at Starsville one time and afterward talking with one of the the guys in our church and he came up to me and it was a similar sermon he said this he said Chris you know I just I really struggle to understand like with the Muslim world for instance what do we do do we act more like Deuteronomy 7 and see the answer is just to go get rid of them or is the answer something else more like what Jesus I wrestle with what do we do and so I want you to understand this clearly. We're not three thousand years ago. We're not really in a dog-eat-dog world. Jesus has shown a new way, and it's not a way of protectionism. It's not a way of killing off and and killing other people. When we did that in the Crusades, we emphasized the wrong part of Scripture because we read the Scripture wrongly. Instead we're reminded what jesus teaches us love your enemy do good to those who hate you bless them and pray for them for that's what my children are supposed to be like when they're on the offensive being water of life for god's glory in a salty world and so that's who we're called to be in our day and in our age is to be that for god's glory um Because Jesus has sent us to launch us out to be his children. So, the final principle I want to give you is this, and then, and then we are done. Um, and that is, as Christians, the teaching of Jesus always trumps the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the teaching of Jesus always trumps the Old Testament. Now, that does not mean we can get rid of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation upon which Jesus was able to build his teaching. You don't take out the foundation in order to make the house stronger. Uh, There have been people in the church of Jesus through the ages who have wanted to get rid of the Old Testament and say, it's irrelevant, you don't need it anymore, we don't like that kind of God. Instead, we like Jesus' kind of God. And the church has always said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. The Old Testament is the foundation for faith. But the teaching of Jesus always trumps the emphasis of the Old Testament and we read the Old Testament through the eyes heart and life and teaching of Jesus and that's how we try to live and so it allows us some freedom to eat bacon for instance and eat shrimp and to do some other things that maybe the Jewish people weren't supposed to do because we're at a different place than they were so As parents, how are you creating a safe environment for your children? But secondly, how are you preparing to launch them out to be difference makers for God's glory? And May we learn how to interpret Scripture with the heart of faith that does good and brings light to a world in need of light. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray.